Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cause and Effect. This may actually be the last episode where we're called Cause and Effect. Um, we're changing our name to that early childhood nerd and that should be effective in June. But it's the same podcast, you guys, so don't worry about that. Um, this is Heather Burnt, as always, and I'm joined today by Alicia Schmidtke. Did I say it right? Yes. Okay, good, because I said Shauna's last name wrong when we recorded and then I felt bad. So <laughs> Alicia, will you tell everybody whatever you want them to know about yourself? Sure. Um, I currently live in Minnesota. I'm the director of an early childhood program, and I'm actually getting ready to move to Texas to start a preschool. Oh, my so, God. Oh, you're starting it. Like, starting, starting it, it, starting it. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, you that because you weren't in Iowa. I know. I'm sorry. I was so sad about that. Um, no one knows what we're talking about. Well, there's like seven people now who know what we're talking about. <laughs> hey. um, I was supposed to go <laughs> hang out with fun people in Iowa and then I backed out on everybody that's the summary of the story <laughs> so I asked Alicia <laughs> to join me for another discussion and I think this is the third episode on this topic um, but I think it's one of those topics that you could just keep talking and talking and talking about um, so we're going to start with this quote it's a quote from Maya Angelou and I've seen several versions of it so I don't know exactly what the what the original quote is but it's something along the lines as do the best you can until you know better and then when you know better do better um and and this is something that I use a lot when I'm talking or doing any kind of training or coaching with people who work with young children um because we all sometimes there's a tendency when we hear new information to feel challenged or offended or judged by that new information um, yeah. and, and so I want, I just always want people to know that none of us are perfect and I'm not saying that anybody's evil for doing things the way they do, but when we're presented with new information, we kind of have a responsibility to think it through and compare it to what we already did and, and, and then decide, is there something I need to change? And that doesn't even always mean that the old way was wrong just that the new way is, is what you want to try now. So, so anyway, Alicia, I, I thought that I would like to hear a little bit about your journey and I can share some of my stuff along these lines too. But, um, so, but I guess I'll start with what, why were you interested in this topic when I threw out some topics and asked for co-hosts? What was, what was it about this? Well, yeah, it's definitely easy for me to think of things that I've learned and changed over the years. Um, it's something that I have, I've learned how to become more reflective so, you know, when you say, you know, we hear new information and we need to change it um, or possibly reflect on changing things that we're doing, mm -hmm. um, I think that's kind of just part of the things that I used to not do. I used to hear new information, but like, nope, this is what I know and this uh -huh. is what I'm doing. And, and I've learned how to reflect and really um, adapt to try and be the best that I can be. And now I'm trying to teach other people how to do that, which is really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask, though, and you kind of answered, but you, you know, I was going to ask, have you always been reflective like that? Or is that something that you, before you knew better, you didn't do and now you do? So what, I guess, what was your process like there? What led you to becoming more reflective, if you can define that? Yeah, well, yeah it's kind of, I don't know, it kind of just happened. But I would say through talking to different people, networking, uh-huh. um, listening to podcasts, reading a lot of books, just things that <laughs> um, allowed me to process while I was listening or reading, um, that helped a lot. And then when I can talk through those uh, things with people, yeah, that makes really big difference for me and then things just light bulbs start to click and things go on when I'm talking through them Uh and that's when changes happen for me do you know that's really the main reason I wanted to start a podcast is so I could talk through new ideas with other people (laughs) so I'm glad you said that (coughs) I mean because yeah because I just don't get that opportunity as often as I would like to um so and I think Facebook even helps with that a little bit the social media stuff because we can we have a wider audience we can talk through things with but it, it doesn't be face-to-face in person talking right. through yeah. kinds of it's stuff and then say what do you guys think about this mm-hmm. on Facebook or yeah definitely yeah so so you also mentioned then you're trying to help other people become more reflective yes and, and um, I agree that that's really difficult but what what works for you or what have you learned um, patience <laughs> is a key uh-huh. um, because initially I thought I'm doing this and this makes sense to me and here, read this or listen to this and then you should just get it too. Uh-huh. And that's not how everybody learns. It's not um, how people process information and some people don't know how to reflect and so it kind of has to go way back to that first mm-hmm. and um, a lot of patience and just understanding different learning styles and then um the Lillian cats <laughs> pages of a teacher yes yes totally changed my view of right. how to look at that yeah we got to get her on a podcast I don't know how that happens but we talk about those teacher developmental stages so many times it yeah. comes up so often and it's been so impactful on so many of us we got to get her yes. um yeah, I, I joke sometimes that the people who used to work for me when I was a center director, they would joke that, oh, I've got a great article about that is going to be on my tombstone because that was always <laughs> a response to any con- you know conversation. But a, a lot of them now are moving towards more, oh, my God, I swear to God, you give me one more article. And I'm strangle you. I always say, oh, hey, I heard a podcast about that. I listened to a podcast yes. about that. Yes. You have to hear- <laughs> also podcasts. Yeah. They kind of roll their eyes at me now, but so I have to find other ways of translating that information and helping them reflect about the ideas in different ways. So, um, so let's talk about some specific things in your practice with young children that you feel like you've changed since you've learned. Okay. Well, I actually started my career as an elementary teacher. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. I started teaching, um, I've taught third through sixth grade. So, um, while doing that, um, I taught at a small school, so we had combined classes, Uh so I had, like, a lot of grades in one room, and um, (laughs) it was also the school that I attended growing up, and so I went into it, like, oh, I know totally how everything works here, (laughs) and 
I'm just going to do what I was taught while I was here. Uh-huh. And which is, I think, a common thing that we all do when yeah. we go into teaching of any kind. Yeah. So um, I would say the absolute number one thing that I look back on and regret is <laughs> taking away recess. Taking away recess? Yes. Oh, wow. Tell not, me what happened. <laughs> well, just in general, like, that was what the go-to was for uh-huh. the teachers. Like, you're not doing your work and whatever, so oh, you have to... like as a punishment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's one of those things that punishes the teacher, too, and I don't... Oh, like, yes. Like, I understand that it just becomes sort of cultural and traditional to, to have that knee-jerk, what can I take away from them? Oh, they love to be outside. Well, I'll take away outside... But then your day sucks for the rest of the day because the right. kids who needed to get outside didn't get to go outside. Yeah, it, it's the worst thing yeah. to do. Um, definitely nothing came of that that was uh, positive. Yeah. And I don't think I felt better and the kids certainly didn't feel better. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Or sending them to the office, same type of thing. Like, you need to go to the office and do your work. Uh-huh. That's just me not dealing with whatever needed to be dealt with, really. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, that's a that's a common one that I see and have seen. Um, I feel like I always need to say I've been doing this for 30 years. I've seen lots of places. So no one place is listening to the podcast thinking, oh, my God, is she talking about me? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm egotistical enough to think that they're all listening. <laughs> um, but that's one thing that I've that I continue to struggle with how to help people reflect on that you know if you're sending them to the office or if even if you're even in child care programs if you're saying do I need to call the director to come talk to you you're giving away any kind of power that you had you know you're basically saying I'm done with you I can't deal with this I'm gonna let someone else deal with it and that puts you at <coughs> a little bit of a disadvantage yeah I, mean, I think and power is tricky anyway but yeah, you're taking away the relationship, too, I think, yes. because I don't care enough to deal with this. Oh, yeah. Message that is being sent. Um, I've not thought not, about that, yeah. I No, and so just hindering that relationship, which I I definitely experienced doing yeah. those things. I had to go back and try to mend that, and it's a uh-huh. lot harder trying to do that at the beginning of the year. Yeah. That's when Amanda and, and Shauna and I had this, had a conversation about the same topic. Um, relationship came up a lot in terms of things that they are trying to do better. Now moving away from just playing the game and getting through the day and realizing how important it is to really be intentional about relationship building with yes. children Um, So I think that's a big part of any reflection we're doing is thinking about how does that decision I made or that practice I am clinging to, how is it impacting relationships with children? (coughs) Um, Do you have tips for relationship building or things that you like to do to be intentional about that? Um, Well, just getting to know the kids, being really patient with them, um, something that we do is, I don't know if you've heard of the love languages. Yeah. I've, okay. yeah. So, um, huh? I was just going to tell a funny story, but it can wait. Oh, okay. And it may so not be just, that funny. <laughs> and we, um, identify how kids need to receive love from uh-huh. us. Uh-huh. And it's a little bit difficult because usually people identify their own love languages. 
But we go through the list of kids and we say, how does this child, how do we perceive that this child might receive love from us the best? So Mm -hmm. maybe it's quality time. So we try really hard. They get off the bus or they come in in the morning and they might need five or 10 minutes where we just kind of like snuggle with them a little bit on the couch or maybe they need alone time or whatever. Uh Um, Just to give them that every day and be intentional about that has made a huge difference in our student-teacher relationships. Uh And it's also a reflection piece, like we were talking about. It's, you know, taking time to look, think through every child and reflect on what they need and how we can best meet that. Yeah. Um, Which I think, whatever you call it, like, I, I, I took some class, I can't even remember what it was, as part of my bachelor's, where we had to take a quiz about our love languages as adults and it just that's not my thing like to call it a love language just automatically made me giggle about it but but if I again if I step back and reflect about it it's just talking about individualizing and learn you know we Mm -hmm. we talk all the time about figuring out a kid's temperament and using that to help connect with them and it's not any different it's just a different word so I had to I had to move past my initial giggles about it and (laughs) <laughs> and realize it was a valuable tool. It does sound funny, but it's it very effective for yeah. us. And, well, and for yeah. some people, that is the kind of language they use. So again, it, it's really helpful. And for me, it wasn't. But yeah. and, until I reflected myself, you know, it's it's all my own <laughs> internal brain stuff. Um, so you talked I about. Think, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. You know, I've always really tried to build relationships with kids, but I never reflected on it until I heard Lisa Murphy talk about it so much. Yeah. And like, oh, and started realizing what I was doing and what I did impacted everything in their relationships. And Uh yeah, I I think that's really when I started reflecting on that piece of Uh it. Yeah. Was her. (laughs) Excuse me. I uh, And this is something, this definitely falls into the category for me of things that I have tried to do better once I knew better. Um, yeah. And I, But I've always, I've always had, so, so p- my husband, ex-husband used to say all the time that the kid that drove me the craziest that I needed to process through the most when I came home at the end of the day was the one I was going to end up closest to within oh. a couple of months. And, um... And I realize now that that's because that child really demanded that I paid attention and took time to try and understand and spent one-on-one time with. And that's why we ended up with that close relationship. It had nothing to do with me liking the bad kids better or whatever. And I say that in air quotes. Um, but right. it was, but it, and so once I made that connection, it's like, well, then I should be doing that with every child that I'm coming in contact with, not just the ones who are aggressively demanding my attention and time um, because it's all about relationships. There's there's just nothing outside of that. So you also talked about it taking a lot of time to do that. And I do think that's one thing that teachers or providers get caught up on is feeling like they don't have time to get to know everybody individually or develop that individual relationship. Um, I guess, what would you say to those folks? Um, that's the most important thing. So <laughs> first, I, do it anyway. Filters <laughs> and the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my 
practical or my student like cooperating teacher when I was student teaching uh-huh. um, said they don't they won't care about what you know until they know that you care about yeah kind of something yes. to that effect you know I think that's and exactly that, what it is oh, yeah that really stuck with me uh-huh. and um, changed my perspective yeah. on a lot yeah teaching even you know yeah oh well I'm not you know I was just so overwhelmed when I was student teaching and (laughs) just had to everything and just spend time with them Uh uh-huh and I think I would say to a teacher who's concerned that they don't have time for that kind of slowing down and individualizing and and reflecting make a list of the stuff you feel like you have to get done you know what what do you feel like is taking all your time and a lot, you'll look at that list and you'll see that a lot of it you could just let go for a while and yes. and just focus on relationships and, and then maybe bring some of those other pieces in. But a lot of what we feel like is so important that we can't drop it to make time for this basic relationship building stuff is not that important right? <coughs> in the big picture. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, um, when you said that you started as an elementary teacher, how was that transition for you then to go to working with, with younger kids? Did, uh, and, and how did you shift that yourself? Because as a, as a director, I had, I had a bias against hiring people who came in with elementary degrees because it was so hard for some of them to make that switch. So I had to really see something in them that showed me that they realized that there was a switch that needed to be made before I was willing to bring them in. So, yeah. so what was it like for you? Um, very hard. Uh, (laughs) I was excited about it, but through college and everything, I never thought that I wanted to work with preschool age kids because I thought that you had to do everything for them. (laughs) And I thought that doesn't sound fun. Um, like cut everything out for them. Uh And And so, um, I was, anyway, so I was teaching elementary and this job opened up to be the director of a early childhood program. Uh-huh. And um, I had just started to become familiar with the idea of play-based type of programs uh-huh. um, because I was nannying for Kristen Peterson, oh. who's on the best. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> was introducing me to all of this because she was opening her program, uh-huh. her preschool program. And so that helped a lot, just having somebody to talk to about mm-hmm. those types of ideas. Um, I think the biggest struggle was people's expectations and what I knew and trying to figure out where the line was and what was appropriate and uh-huh. um, how to do that and and then the other challenge for me was people thought that I was, like, taking a step down in my yeah. career. Yeah, yep. It was one of the biggest challenges for me. Yeah, and I wondered if that was going to come up. <laughs> yeah, huge, huge issue. And I just, I mean, it was hard, and I took a lot of offense to some people, what they had to say to me. Uh-huh. But I just kept going, and I knew that that's what I was supposed to do, so yeah. I just kept doing it. And, Good. Um. Yeah, it. I've learned a lot. It's been great. So, uh-huh. I think uh, I, I think, don't regret. Change. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> I'm glad you changed. Um, 
I think that a lot of hmm a, a lot of the reflecting that you're talking about and and I don't know if you felt this way can be really scary because you have to give up on something or let go of something that you have sometimes had success with or sort of defined yep. you and and there's a lot of letting go that's involved with reflecting and changing I think yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going through that again right now because oh, I prepared sure. to move to Texas and that's a really big change. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Um, oh yeah. my gosh. Texas. Good for yeah. you. It's going to be warmer. Uh, the weather's going to be a lot different than Minnesota. <laughs> and I'm going through my wardrobe. What do I need to get rid of? <laughs> well, send me any cool stuff you're getting rid of. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. What else do I want to ask you about? Well, I mean, are there other examples that you had as you thought about this? Are you already ready oh, with a list of things? Just go through your list I, of things. I do have a list. Um, <laughs> did, this was when I was actually still in college, but I was a teacher at the Y. Uh-huh. And I did the one, two, three eyes on me and like all those things. And I just think, oh my goodness, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Yeah. But you feel like that's what, I, I mean, I really do think that there is... A, a, a an early childhood culture there's a language that we think we need to speak and there's yes. rules that we think we need to follow and we go to school and we hear things that are you know maybe different we get into the setting and we just become part of that culture and and all of that one two three eyes on me crisscross applesauce put a bubble in your mouth yeah i'm not you know we're not terrible people because we've used those but right. but when you stop and think about it it's like why can't I just talk normally? <laughs> right. And, you know, I remember being in trainings with all of the teachers, uh-huh. which there were, I think, like 19 different school age sites. So we had Ooh. all kinds of people coming together on Saturdays for trainings. Mm-hmm. And they would do that to us to get our attention uh-huh. to start the class. Hated it. Right. And I, how can you <laughs> talk to us like that? We are not children. And then... I started thinking, well, it's probably don't want that either. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, I I keep I say every now and again, I want to do a training or a staff meeting with somebody and make them all sit on the floor crisscross applesauce with their hands under their butts and a bubble in their yeah. mouth and see how long they'd last yeah. before they were really pissed off at me for treating them in that way. Yeah, or um, walk in the seconds. room and say, oh, my God, who stinks? And just start yeah. walking around smelling everyone and. Checking right. their armpits. I was like, <laughs> adults would not stand for that, but we don't think twice about doing it with kids because that's the way we've always done it. Um, right. But when we when we stop and have that moment that you just described, I mean, I think that's an amazing moment for a teacher to have that epiphany. Epiphany. <laughs> epiphany. <laughs> Either one you choose. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. What else? All right. Um, I used to rush kids a lot. And I've really stopped doing that. Yeah. Um, because, again, I just reflected and thought, man, what? Like, there's so much value in putting on your coat mm. and your shoes. And we don't need to rush to get outside because we can be outside as long as we want. <laughs> and, um, I don't space for everybody. But still, there's there's so much value in taking the time to just allow them to put on their coat and shoes or eat uh-huh. lunch or whatever it might be. Um and I've just really stopped rushing kids, but I used to rush them through everything, yeah. um, both in the elementary school and in the preschool, yeah. you know, 
again, that's so easy to slip into that without stopping and thinking about what and why. Um, I'm getting ready to do some some blog posts, and I was working on that a little bit before uh, I called you to start the podcast. And um, one of the things that kept coming up in my outlines was the idea of adult convenience. And um, so, you know, I, and I've done a lot of interviewing as a director, as you have too, I'm sure. And I'm sure you ask the same kinds of questions. You know, why do you want to do this work? And what is a, what what's attractive to you about working with young children? And not a one of them ever said, I want to spend my days devising the most convenient way to get through a schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody says they want to teach children and make a difference and help them develop and all that. But, but then we get in and we lose touch with that and we start grabbing 26 coats ourselves and putting them on and trying to get through it fast instead of taking time and seeing the value of letting them struggle with their coat a little bit. And slowing yep. things down. Because, again, it's that culture of, like, well, we have to get all these things done today. Yeah. And it's just not that important. <laughs> Hold on, then they're not really going right. to right. get very far. And did you love your job more after you made yes. those kinds of switches? Did you feel oh, less stress? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what I always wonder is how much of our stress is created by things we're holding on to that we could let go of, like... Mm-hmm rushing through hand washing or trying to get all the cots out in time before they're done with lunch and leave the table. So the cots are ready. (laughs) Instead of having a conversation with them at the lunch table. Yeah. 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 Letting them get their own cots out (coughs) when they're ready or having a little time between. Yeah. Okay. Next. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, so when I went into the preschool program, I um, was just new to play-based, child-led type of education. Uh-huh. Um, so I tried a lot of things to just see, like, what worked and what didn't. And mm-hmm. also, trying to please parents. Yeah, um, yeah, that's tried, tricky, too. That's very hard. <laughs> I tried the letter of the day thing for a while, and I think it lasted, like, two weeks. And I got bored doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the kids didn't care. And I was like, they're not actually learning the letters because we're not using them in a practical way. Uh-huh. Or just sitting there like singing a song about the letter A or something. <laughs> and it was so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so that did long, but yeah. definitely, you know, I think that also falls into the category of just things that I did art projects or whatever to try to please parents. Um, you know, I, I think it was this year we just decided not to do Christmas presents and that was hard for me because I yeah. thought, oh man, I'm going to have people complaining about this. Uh-huh. But I just said, you know what, if the kids want to make something, they can. They know it's Christmas time. We talk about it every day. Yeah. And, you know, they're excited and that's great, but we're not going to put all of this effort into making these like cutesy little Pinteresty Christmas presents yeah. for parents. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and I go back and forth on that. That's a hard one for me, but mm-hmm. um, just, I, I think it just falls into that category of pleasing. And I, yeah. I want to understand what we're trying to accomplish yeah. and that doesn't really help that. So, yeah. And I think 
once you develop a habit of reflection, then it becomes easier to talk with parents about those kinds of decisions and about those kinds of those those parent pleasing conversations become easier because we're more confident about why we're doing things the way we are. Um, Yes. Like I I don't like making gifts for holidays, mostly because Mm -hmm. it's it for like a week. Everything's just totally centered around what the adults feel like they need to get through and adults talking to each other about the cute ideas they found um, or sitting together looking at Pinterest while the kids are needing thing, you know, and every parent who gets that gift knows that their child didn't really do it of their own initiative or, you know, they might appreciate the cuteness and I get that. But, um, picture day is the same way for me. Sometimes the whole morning spent talking about how cute they all are and changing them out of their clothes and trying to keep them neat and ushering the ones who are more likely to cry in to get the first pictures. I mean, I just think I I get it. I get it. Parents like that to get that product. But if we're going to say that we're child centered and that we're doing what's appropriate, then we have to really be able to stick by that. And I think you can do things for those days that are more appropriate and less stressful. I mean, like you said, even just if the children decide. Right. It's a big deal. Some supplies. If you want to make something with it, yeah, it's here. Yeah, you know, done that before too. Sure. Um, I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah, and if you don't do it, then that's fine. You don't have to. Um, But then we've also done it where everybody sit down and we're gonna do this project and yeah, it's stressful actually. Yeah, I know. You're you're rushing kids (laughs) and you're going through. You know, it's just yeah a cycle. Yeah. Well, I did have um, a couple of teachers. And they were, they asked me about Mother's Day. Um, So I came in the room and they were looking for projects and they had little tiny flower pots that were adorable and they had paint out and they were trying to decide whether they should paint the pot or whether they should let the kids paint the pot. And they said, well, let's just ask Heather. And I was like, my answer will always, always, always be let the kids do it. Right. <laughs> and I think the parents will like that better than if you paint Happy Mother's Day and let the child, what, put the seed in the soil to plant? the. I, what's their part of it then? Um, but they just laughed at me and they were like, yeah, I guess we should have known that was going to be your answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I want to go back to a minute, too, to your letter of the week thing. Um, Oh, yeah. Because I think it's hilarious that um, we think that kids who can sing the ABC song are a step closer to reading and and are learning literacy by memorizing those syllables. But (laughs) kids who sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, we're not like, oh, my God, they're almost astronauts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I thought about that. (laughs) They really get science. (laughs) (laughs) but that goes back to that culture i mean that's that's something that proves kids are smart if they can sing the abcs yes but if they sing twinkle twinkle they're just cute (laughs) it's yeah oh my gosh okay we let i want to look at how how much time we have here oh we got some time for a couple more from your list you got a couple more things um okay i think this is my last one okay um taking so much time to put cute things up on the walls yes oh my god totally guilty of it totally guilty of it one of the years i was teaching at the elementary school 
I spent like five hours <laughs> putting up this like tissue paper tree thing and then all the leaves were these um like laminated cut out things that I had that had I don't even remember it was something related to language arts and they all like a sentence is uh whatever like little definitions on all the leaves uh-huh. and then I put them all over the tree and I was like this is gonna be so great mm-hmm. they were never used <laughs> ever I mean what would who would use that for uh-huh. anything yeah yeah um you know anchor charts are okay I hung up anchor charts and kids actually use those but uh-huh. the time that it takes to like make something so cute on the wall that you think is even going to be helpful is just such a waste of time uh-huh. I've learned even bulletin boards like I would try to do a bulletin board for like every chapter in science or something uh-huh. oh my goodness <laughs> so sounds exhausting and so that kind of thing um yeah you know now we have Here's our family tree, but that's just always up. So you yeah. just add a family tree. And I like doing things like that. Yeah. But that's like a one-time thing or birthdays or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think oh, bulletin but- boards and wall decorations in general or door decorations, um, yes. cubby tags, all that kind of stuff are one of the, the best examples of how we can effectively use the three questions that Lisa Murphy says we should always be using. The what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And who is it for? Um, yes. because I, I think that's, it's really easy to come up with the answers to those three questions for the bulletin board stuff or the, the coloring stuff. Um, but, oh, I definitely did it. I loved making copies and coloring things and covering them with contact paper and hanging them up. I, yeah. I, I, I took it yep. home every night because I enjoyed doing it. Um, right. or I sat it, you know, while the kids were occupied and didn't need me and that's what I spent my time doing when I could have been observing what they were doing and work or you know facilitating and making sure they had what they needed to continue and to deepen what they were doing Um, right but it felt very teachery and I felt like that was the right thing to do yes it's what your classroom needs to be cute (laughs) Uh, instead of the other thing was like you can only hang your your artwork on this spot and like I could have just eliminated all my work of hanging stuff up all over <laughs> and let them their stuff. Uh-huh. And um, like you said, you know, spending the time, you could have spent that time observing them or whatever, building a relationship with them. Oh, yeah. I just think, why am I wasted? Yeah. You know, that I could have really been doing things with them. Uh-huh. And, and, I, yeah. and, and it's another, that's an example, too, of you weren't harming the children. With no. spending all that time, but it wasn't the best that we could be doing either. So, exactly. I mean, I just, I just want to keep saying if, if anything that we have talked about is something that people who are listening are currently doing, we are not saying <laughs> that you're terrible <laughs> or you're harming children. We're, I'm, I'm really just saying this is a shared experience. We've all changed things as we've grown professionally. And um, sometimes it's nice to hear that. And to get permission by hearing other people describe the changes they've made. Yeah, absolutely. And it's okay. This is a perfect opportunity to say, oh, I am doing that. And what is, why am I doing it? Yeah. And to reflect. And, yeah. Yeah. And some people, some people might say, do that reflecting and say, why am I doing this? And decide, well, I, I have good reasons. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep doing it. And that's, yeah. that's part of it too. There's certainly things that I've done that with when I hear 
in, um, you know, when I'm in a training and I'm the participant and not the one speaking, um, there, there are often things that I hear that challenge me and I think, okay, well, do I have a good reason to continue my way or should I give their way a shot? And sometimes I have a good reason to continue my way and that's, that's okay too for some things. Yeah. I've been in that situation before too. (laughs) I feel, yeah, but it's still reflecting. You're still thinking through. Yeah you know, why? And I think that's the most important thing. I think that habit of mind is one of the single best ways to avoid burning out is to constantly do that reflecting and to kind of look at your work as research and what am I seeing? Okay. What can I do with that information? Try that out. Did it work? Okay. I'm going to keep doing it. Did it not work? What do I need to tweak? What information do I still need? And I just think that deepens everything. Yeah, and gets you, gets you through the day when you feel like all you're doing is wiping noses and changing diapers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, so I'll ask you. I guess do you have any closing thoughts or advice for people or encouragement? Anything you want to throw out there? Sorry, no, no pressure. Well, that's what we've been saying, you know, I would say like find a way that works for you to reflect. Some uh-huh. people like to journal. Some people like to talk it through with people. Uh-huh. Others in the in the field, um, maybe you need to read a book, whatever. Find a way that works for you and uh-huh. try different things, you know? Yeah. I think that is important, and we all need to be able to do that, and that's how you grow as a professional, so. Yeah, yeah. and growing is, growing is fun. <laughs> it's, it helps you survive it all. All right, yes. well, thanks, Alicia. This was great. Um, it was, was. we're going to have to come up with some other stuff to podcast about again. So, and thanks to all of you who are listening. Um, we'll be with you again on another episode. Only then it will be that early childhood nerd. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks.